0: Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Commander Clash podcast, where the Commander Clash crew discusses Commander-related topics, and today we are going to be talking about the top mistakes to avoid in Commander. Uh, our group has been playing casual Commander for over six years now, pretty regularly, once a week about on average, and uh, we've learned a lot of things during that time together. Uh, some of us have been playing even longer. I know, Krim. I think you started before... Six years ago, I started like a decade ago, so yeah, we've been playing a lot. We've been playing a lot of Commander, and we've learned a lot of stuff along the way. So here's just like some general tidbits uh, that we've, nuggets of, of truth uh, that have worked for us, uh, that we have uh, stumbled upon uh, on, our, on our journey together. Um, and joining me on this journey is Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive. How's it going, Seth? I'm doing great, Tomer. How are you today? I'm doing well, doing well. And then we also have Krim, a.k.a. the Asian Avenger. How's it going, Krim? Uh, it goes great. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying the miserable heat in California.
1: So, you know, <laughs> just love that. I see me.
0: you've dressed down for the occasion. You're not in a leather jacket, but you're, yeah. you're wearing the, the Gengar swag. It's because
1: it. if I if I wear any more layers than this, I'm gonna start stewing in my room. So I <laughs> I think I think we're avidly trying to avoid
0: that. <laughs> Very fair. And then finally, we have Richard, aka the cod Father. How's going, Richard? Hey, Tomer. Doing well. I'm also in California,
2: but not stewing. So I don't know what Craig was talking about. He's <laughs> oh, right. California. Is it called
0: air conditioning? I believe. No, we <laughs> have none of that here. Please, <laughs> we split not It's I'm not mandatory.
1: Yeah, it's not man no. and also SoCal is hotter. Yeah. How do you not have
2: air? Well, one conditioning is a desert, one LA. has lush redwood forests. So <laughs> you decide.
0: <laughs> well, By the, the way, for those listening,
3: for uh LA does not have the lush wood forests. Wait, is this- is it normal not to have AC in California? Is that like a it's, thing people It's not mandatory. It's not mandatory. Wait,
2: wait, wait. In LA? LA I think it's mandatory. What's is mandatory. though? Mean,
0: like if you were in Europe, you'd be like, Oh, these are all ancient buildings. We cannot put in A C but it's like <laughs> what, you're your fifty year old building does not have AC the, or the whatever. Technology's not there yet. Technology. <laughs> it the drinking like water, technology's, technology's not there either. Here, so financially
2: it's <laughs> typically not worth it. But Los Angeles, I feel you could get you can get the AC and
0: make it <laughs> worth it. I have AC.
2: It's still hot.
0: (laughs) Wow. All right. (laughs) Well, uh, moving on from AC, let's talk about uh, top mistakes we should avoid in Commander. Um, Seth, kick it off. What's what's one mistake uh, you think uh, a lot of people make and they should be avoiding,
3: especially in Casual Commander? Uh, so, I don't even think people make this mistake. I know people make this mistake, because I look at
1: a lot of don't, viewers don't submitted Commander decks, right, <laughs> off, and, I also,
3: and I also play with Krim, he's in our play group, but really, it's not playing enough lands, this is by far... The biggest mistake I see new players make, I even see established players make, and it makes sense. Lands are pretty dull. And when you're building a commander deck, you wanna stick in as many cool things as possible. You know, the big bombs and the sweepers and all that kind of stuff. And there's a temptation to just trim back on lands, but then you never get to cast your big cool things because you get mana screwed and you have two lands while everyone else is doing all their big things. So play more lands. Uh, I see people a lot of times play 35, maybe 36, In a world of channel lands, in MDFCs, I really don't see an excuse to be below 38. And I think ideally you're going to be 40 plus lands, honestly, when you count all the lands that can do extra things on top of just the boring lands, So I think I even play too few lands and I keep working on it and trying to add more and more because I really think it's a more the merrier type situation when it comes to lands.
1: Now, I'm gonna just slightly uh, put my two cents here. I know that I often get mana screwed, but that's more like, like, I'll admit when I started out, I was exact. I fell in that exact pitfall, right? Where I just like, oh, 35 lands. So that's what I need. Doesn't matter what deck it is, whatever the curve is, 35 lands. Uh, but. I, and I'm not counting mana rocks, and I, and I hope people aren't counting mana rocks towards your land count because that does not count. That's yeah, uh, but
0: how it works.
1: <laughs> I used to like think like that. They're like, oh well, it's fine. It's I have like ten mana rocks. I can play thirty five lands. It, it's that's just not the same. So, however, I am at thirty nine lands now, usually with MDFCs, and still get mana screwed. So I don't. I don't. I th- that probably means <laughs> I need to go up even more.
0: Yeah, I, I also want to just make a quick like caveat or just like indicator that we're I said emphasis on casual again, but I know there's gonna be some comments being like, well, my competitive deck, like I run 28 lands and like, we're focusing on casual it, competitive is,
3: is its own uh meta as well. So yeah. And these are general guidelines. I played like yeah. this mono white one drop with Isumara deck at one point. And I think I had like 31 lands. And I think it was correct because like it was all one or two drops and there wasn't any reason to have a bunch of lands on the battlefield. But in general, as a default, I think you should aim for 38 and then mm-hmm. ideally sneak in another one or two on top of that, counting your MDFCs and channels and get close to 40.
0: Mm hmm
2: boring but i agree so i think the default is like 37 has been a long time default yeah. i think that number needs to go up i think lands are so powerful nowadays like MDFCs, channel lands uh just normal lands like urza saga so- not normal lands but you know regular lands <laughs> you play as lands urza saga like field of the dead maze of Ith, vesuva like all this garbage is so strong right like you you want to hit all this garbage is so strong yeah (laughs) way way to sell here's the thing so people talk about how green is like the strongest color in magic because you you can ramp right if you miss a land drop in the course of the game you are like reverse ramping yourself like if you like manage to ramp and growth and then you miss a land drop you've accomplished nothing right Mm -hmm. so you need to hit a land every single turn of the game until the Mm -hmm. game ends right even to turn 11 right cuz that means you can now cast your like 20 costing mana you know commander and then play a spell and do whatever right so mm-hmm. you need to hit land drops throughout the entirety of the game and if you are running like especially if you're running something like 35 10 or fetch lands you know, deck thinning is a meme until it's not, right? You run out of fetchable lands, now your your fetch lands are actually not lands anymore,
3: right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like,
2: you can actually run out of lands or quite easily or, you know, the the meme of Seth playing the landfall ramp commander without any basics. What was it?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had, like, three like, or four like, you to know, go to with you, my because you,
2: you can run out of them, right? You land tax once or twice and you have no lands in your deck, right? So you actually need a lot of lands. And I don't know why people don't
3: play lands, but should play more lands. (laughs) And and there's just so many cool utility lands today. It's not as painful as it was 10 years ago. Like, 10 years ago, I can see why it felt bad to play lands. But when your lands are creatures and removal spells and card draw, like, it's not painful at all to have a ton of lands in your deck because those lands are going to do something other than just tap for mana in a lot of cases. Try them cycle. They're free,
2: right? You can even play, like, the monocolor cycle lands if you really want, right? Like, (laughs) Like, if you're really that desperate. But... So here's another thing. Don't cycle away your lands. I've seen this so many times where people faithless looting chuck two lands to get more gas and then like our mana screwed at four mana the rest of the game. Right? Like don't just because you have lots of mana in your hand doesn't mean you got to like chuck it all away because if you start missing land drops, that's also a problem. Uh, So, yeah, that also in game value your lands as well.
0: Yeah, I I mean, triumphs Triums, I I don't. Um, I almost never cycle because paying three to cycle is a lot. But uh, for the most part, I, I yeah. And for like channel lands and stuff, it's like you run you want to run Boseju and Otowara and all that stuff like anyway, and you want to be using them for their channel ability over the land ability. So you might as well just put them as that X that plus one land, you know, instead of cutting a land for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I totally agree. Like. The, the the most efficient ramp you can ever do is just playing a land because zero mana puts you up a land and if you're not doing that every single turn of the game, uh you're 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 falling behind. So uh it's pretty easy to calculate. Like if you think your your games last like an average of twelve turns or something, you can use like uh like a calculator to see how likely you are to hit it. And I'll in fact I'll link a Uh, frank carson article talking about how much lands you should be running for how many turns you want to be hitting lands um and that's very informative you you could actually just math it out to see and obviously if your games are ending like turn five or something in cedh then you want less um my general philosophy has always been just having 50 lands in my deck so i will have like 37 like whatever the split is lands and ramp i'll do like 37 and 13 like 37 lands 13 ramp is usually my, my my default but like it depends on on the on the deck it's, itself but like yeah generally speaking like that's like the biggest complaint for viewer submitted cuz we do like viewer submitted decks like you know twice a year three times a year once like once or twice every single season of commander clash and we're on season 12 right now uh the most consistent thing that i have to skip over submissions is like they'll have like a really cool concept that i really want to try out but they have like 34 lands And their average mana curve is, like, four. (laughs) It's like, uh, this is going to be a problem. And, yeah, you have to think about how many times you're mulliganing. Because the first mull is free, so, yeah, you can get a little bit greedier. But if you're consistently mulling to, like, six or even five because you just can't... You keep having hands without lands in them, that's, like, an indicator. Like, you have... You should go up more. Like, I don't know. People don't... Yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of disadvantages. I, I, I mulligan a lot. <laughs> and then we have to restart the game yeah great <laughs> yeah it's, it's a resource that if you're not using you're just missing
2: out you have to bowl. yeah
0: <laughs> so i think i think we all agree upon this this is probably like the most important tip takeaway tip is you should be running the appropriate amount of lands and you can literally math it out so uh, something something you can easily improve on any deck really um all right we'll move on to one uh, that might have more controversy. I don't know. Richard, tell us, tell us what your tip is.
2: All right. I see this in the Commander Clash comments <laughs> and in the previous season, especially when I see new cards, mm. where I think most players fall in the trap of over-indexing on politics rather than technical play. And I think if you're familiar with 1v1 uh, Magic, it's the same as pe- you know when you first start playing, you're all in on the bluffing. You're all in on bluffing and hidden information and all this nonsense where 99% of your game is carried by correct technical play, right? And I think for commander, like technical play involves executing your combo correctly. I mean, that's, that part is obvious. Like don't punt away your own victory, right? But the real technical play that people need to work on is like threat assessment, not over committing to the board, predicting what your opponents can do. So when I see a card where people say like secret rendezvous is political and I'm bad at politics, I think that is 100% wrong. Right, because if you skullwinder someone, or you secret run, you should be able to predict what they're going to do. Right, like if you look at the board state, you look at the decks, you look at their graveyard, and I skullwinder you, I should be fairly certain to know like what you're about to do with the skullwinder. Right, and it's same with one v one. Right, like if, if you you know how to bait people for two for ones, you know if you play this creature, they'll remove it, and you know you, you don't have to have perfect information. You don't need a thought them to pre- predict their play, and I think a lot of players just miss out on that. On, on magic like you don't need a, a literal goad on a card right you can predict where the attacks are going and what's going to happen like you know based on the board state so yeah i think people just put far too much into politics because it's like fancy right it's like the it's it's like bluffing in poker right it's like utterly mm. useless unless you're at the very highest levels of the game right like so don't focus on politics just focus on playing correctly Good board assessment. Like, you can just play on
3: mute, and it, you should be able to do, like, fairly well. Uh, I, I would say I think you can do really well in Commander with tight technical play and no politics. But if you have it the other way around you're not going to get anywhere. If you have politics, but you can't do the basic technical stuff, you're not going to win at all. So I I would say that I think Richard's probably correct that as much as I love politics and I consider it to be like a big part of the fun of the format. And maybe that's something to consider as well is like, it's enjoyable to try to get people or try to work out deals. So maybe that's where politics come in, but from wins and losses, I don't think that politics is usually as impactful as most people think.
0: I, I strongly disagree there in some in some regards like I think you don't need to politic every little time like you're like, hey uh don't kill me don't kill this or I, and I won't blow up your thing well like you wouldn't kill it if if it, if it's if it's uh not the biggest threat so there's like a lot of wasted time there but i I strongly disagree on not trying to politic and like form alliances or or try to at least deflect a bit because I think Richard is like the best at deflection at the table, and he uses it very often, but he uses it very subtly. Like he will point out other people's threats, and he will downplay his own, or he just won't bring attention to his own. And that's that's the deflection, right? You, you kind of like make the focus somebody else, right? And I feel... Like, if I don't say anything, when he says deflect when he deflects towards me, I think I'd lose like every single game. So like I feel kind of obligated to like defend I, I, myself. I hard disagree with this so much right. because
2: I, I play in the random rooms all the time where I yeah. say literally nothing. like there's yeah. no talk, and the games play out literally the same mm. right so so where where it gets interesting is that you can manipulate people with politics, right? but you first need to first understand like what they're going to do and what they want to do and then you can manipulate them by saying something you know outside of that right but it's hard to manipulate someone if you don't know what they're going to do to begin with right because you don't know what's going on right so I I do think technical play trumps politics like a lot right and I know we politic a lot for fun and it is fun like Seth said but I don't think it's like that important and I think like a lot of cars like people politic for no reason right like as a as a As a substitute for correct play, right? Like, oh, you know, don't attack me and I won't attack you, right? You can predict if they're going to attack you before doing anything usually, right? Like, you know, you you have some at least like 80-90% chance of getting it correct, right? And the worst part about these deals is like, if you make the deal with the wrong person, you lose, right? Like, if you make the deal with the combo player and they just combo off, like, because your threat assessment was wrong, your politics was also wrong, and then you lost, right? So... I don't know. I, I feel it's just that noob trap of, like, poker bluffing where everyone's like, yes, I'm the perfect bluffer, right? I'll put the shades on and everything.
1: And I'm like, dude, you don't even know how to play poker, right?
2: <laughs> like, like, learn how the rules work first, right? Like,
1: Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I feel like politics has a lot to do <laughs> with, like, it depends, I guess, the play style you have. Like, some, someone like me who has usually a, a mark or a target on them, I have to politic, right? <laughs> I, I actually You're I feel Mr. like I go for a second <laughs> I mean, but I like regardless of where I end up it, there are people that will naturally just play cards and things like that that will draw aggro so you have to kind of mm. politic a little bit I like lightly like hey this isn't gonna affect you you know like so like don't don't worry about that right or I can do something to help you like if you play xander like there's definitely politicking involved right so <laughs> I mean, I I don't know. I I don't think it's like correct play and tight play is usually pretty like, you know, is going to reward you. But I think there is still an element of politicking
0: that needs to be done
1: in commander. Yeah,
0: I don't know. I, I agree. The technical play is like the emphasis. But yeah, sometimes sometimes I feel like politics is necessary. Yeah. Otherwise, he will just, just get murdered. Because <laughs> I mean, technically,
3: times,
1: it's ugh. always correct to kill the person, right? Like if we were talking, yeah. like it, I feel like most times it is correct to just get the, a player out of the game, right? Yeah. That's less people to fight against. And if they're not if they're not able to help you in that moment, then they probably won't help you later, anyways, right? So you may as well just remove them now. You're go yeah, asking like, you the The politics in the mind, where
2: <laughs> I look at Seth, know, like Seth, we got. Him over yeah. <laughs> yeah. of i know it's mm. half his creatures and we don't say a word but we both know what needs to be done like that's right. the next level of politics right and that is based on reading board state right like the the the, the jedi mind battle <laughs> <laughs> <Like> the, <laughs> really we that's
3: we just essentially always... what it is right <laughs> Or we just don't have to actually talk about it because we just always know to kill Tomer first and (laughs) take him out as quickly as possible. And then Tomer looks back and he's like, don't kill me. Like, I already know what the the, the conversation's going to be, right? We don't need to have the conversation.
2: We know it's right.
0: (laughs) What about about Richard? Can't keep getting away with this.
2: Exactly. (laughs) That's exactly what Tomer will say. And then Seth will think about it and be like, no, it's okay. He won't get away with it.
3: (laughs) And then he gets (laughs) away away with it. (laughs) (laughs) And then he gets away with it. (laughs) But it's just no, based backwards. in breath at this point.
2: We know how it's going to play out. And I don't
3: think Richard is saying no politics, right? You're just yeah. saying that, like, don't focus on politics uh, at the expense of technical play. Like, if you got to choose mm-hmm. one, focus but on the technical play. If I had to play. choose
2: between being the smoothest talker in the world <laughs> or being, like, the tightest magic player in the world, I would say tightest <laughs> magic player, right? I, I would be... Yeah. You know, I, I would choose that, right? And then obviously, you know, you can play whatever your style is and you can mix them in, right? But,
0: you know. That makes sense to me. All right. Moving on. Krim, what do you got for us as a tip?
1: Uh, Okay. So it's kind of like a, I guess, a two-parter, really. It's like always have a lot more removal, but then also don't just use it all willy-nilly, just sending it at the first thing that comes down. Like, I, I, I think that I, I see this quite often, actually, where people just... Kill the first problem that gets on the board. When what I like as someone who just sits there and waits forever, the way you survive this is you let everybody commit their problematic stuff, and then I sweep the board. I don't just sweep hmm. the bo- unless you are going to win on the spot here right now with this one creature. Almost every time, I will wait until everybody presents their biggest threat. And because and like I you gotta if you play control all the time you gotta get your fifty for ones especially in commander so <laughs> I don't know I I just see that oftentimes people will send the easiest removal uh like the using removal immediately and or not waiting to let everyone else at the table respond like mm-hmm. I will not respond unless I absolutely have to and I know that I've become the person that like uh-huh. that, like that everybody looks at like do you have that answer I'm like. And this did cost me that one episode against Seth, where I was like, no, I know Richard has a removal spell, so I'm going to let Richard do it, and then Seth just wins by alting, because no one did anything. And I sat there with a foot, like, I was like, I could have stopped this, but I don't want to. I know Richard always has it, so.
2: Yeah. I think that's correct. That's the correct point? Yeah. <laughs>
0: What letting Seth win the game? even though you have an answer? Yeah. So so when you know about that. So when you fire off your removal, you need to
2: ask yeah. yourself: Are you more likely to win or less likely yeah. to win? Right? Yeah. And if if you are just sitting there answering the board for everyone else, you're just gonna lose. Yeah. Right? So like sometimes you you make the decision and it's wrong and you you die. Right? But I think that that thought process is correct. Right? You look at the problematic threat. You're like, are we gonna die? And is someone else is gonna remove it? And that doesn't mean you fire off the removal, right? And then sometimes you lose, but that's the normal like 75% of the time you lose, right? So yeah. that's the normal thing, right? So Every there's no difference if Seth won versus you know Krim fired off the removal and then Richard won or Tomer won. It's effectively the same result for Krim. Right? right. Like he needs to fire off the removal and then he win the game, right? So that's what he needs to think about when he's well, like his, his firing his, off his, his removal, right?
0: It, well okay, well if he doesn't if he doesn't fire off the removal then he has a zero percent chance of winning. If he does fire off the removal, he has a higher than zero percent chance of winning, which means it increases his chances of winning well, if he it's fires not off the zero
2: Because because there was another turn, me
1: who thought I had the removal, uh, right? Yeah, like yeah, I don't remember the exact
0: I'm, instance.
1: I I try to play my games where I make you use the resources before I do. Yeah. right. And then yeah. I only like because. Oftentimes people will just want to hold it on to like so they could do something with it later, and I'm not trying to benefit everyone here unless it's absolutely a must, right? So mm-hmm. I think I think it's totally correct to like sit there, way way out the like, okay, is this a threat that's going to win the game now? And like also factoring in like, hey, this dronith magistrate, I may not want it here. But also, you know, I can tell you don't want it here, and you probably care more about your commander than I do, so I'll let you answer it. <laughs> so I'll just sit there, and I'll just form my own hand and, like, keep myself safe for as long as I can. All right, I have a situation for you guys.
2: Let's say you're mono-black reanimator. You have a Swede Feed the Swarm in your hand, okay, or in your deck, in your hand. Someone slaps down a Ristic Study, right? Do you mm-hmm. remove it, or do you hold the Feed the Swarm for the rest in peace? that you're waiting for because that's the only answer to rest in peace and if that rest in peace comes down your deck is done for right what are you supposed to do in that situation oh it's no
3: amount
0: (laughs) i hate i hit the ristic study i don't even think about it i I, wait i probably don't i pay the one i don't care
3: about ristic study so whatever
0: Yeah, that's you, you the wrong. It. I said doesn't care about risk study. The guy draws a billion cards and then you you're like, Oh, well, at least I have my feed the swarm for the rest in piece. The guy drops down rest in piece and you try to feed the swarm that and he counters it because he has fifty cards in his hand. So of course I, he's gonna counter it. I, like what I, of course, I he actual, to get rid of the the, what are you ID doing? That uh, what are you doing? It's perfect. I think for there's you.
3: actually like a really interesting <laughs> conversation about doing what's best for the table and doing what's best to increase your odds of winning. I feel like that's where we have a lot of disagreements sometimes when we're like philosophizing about commander. Because I think like you should be trying to increase your own win percentage, technically, right? Like I think I can be too altruistic or whatever, but I would argue that in a situation like that. If your goal is to win the game, you probably win more by ignoring the ristic study and trying to execute your combo in winning the game rather than dealing with a ristic study to help out the entire table to keep someone from drawing cards.
0: Am I living in bizarre world? Like how many times have we had just a rhystic study player just draw many cards and then lose? Like that doesn't happen. They what? win. Nine a- a times of out time, of ten, they win. A lot and dies, right? And if you've
2: spent resources to make them not arch enemy, you're helping them. You know what I mean? If Phil plays a soul Ring and you, like... Instantly shatter it, you saved him, right? Because otherwise, everyone would have ganged up and killed him, right? So, yeah, like, but I'm saving there's you certain from degrees yourself. of how
0: far ahead he can be, <laughs> yeah. right? Uh, uh, you know, and so, like, so Toto would remove it. Seth wouldn't.
1: I wouldn't. Krim, would you remove I, it? I, I would not. I would, because if, okay, oh, if crazy. I'm a reanimator <laughs> deck, <laughs> I would, li- I, like, insane. I'm worried about way more important things rips, uh, graph diggers, cages, things like that, that are going to actually shut down my game plan. Like, this, this, this is still a 3v1. So I'm still going to let the... Like, I still think the table should force the control deck, the the person that just drew a ton of cards, to answer everything. Now it's just like, just keep jamming. Keep jamming until they run out of answers, and then you start attacking them, right? Something has to get through.
0: But if we go through, like, how many times the Ristic Study player is fed and how many times they actually win, I guarantee you it's going to be so much higher than 25%, which is what you would predict it to be. Like, it's... It, no, what... How you know you've Is you
2: sacrificed your game to stop the Ristic Study player? From I've winning. sacrificed
0: one card, so, but no, to like, prevent
3: myself from just auto losing from the Ristic Study, but who just you auto lose all to day. a rip. But, but okay, wouldn't the math be though? Like everyone has twenty five percent. This play happens. Ristic Study comes down. The Ristic Study player's percentage goes up to whatever forty percent. But then by you holding on to your win, uh, ability to win the game, wouldn't your odds of winning also increase and the other two players would decrease? Like, aren't, isn't your odds of winning the game going up by not doing that, even though one player is going to benefit? Uh, one non-new player is going to benefit a lot. No, because you oh, you're playing least, the across, study is dealt you're, with, right? If the Ristic you're playing Study player a wins, hypothetical, it doesn't
0: count, right? yeah. you're, playing, <sighs> you're playing for a hypothetical. Like, I have a single answer to a single Rest in Peace. I have to hold it for the rest of the game on the off chance that somebody actually will play this Rest in Peace and my deck literally has no outs to it. Which... This is, is like you're such mono a black. stretch. <laughs> you're mono or you black. just remove the Risk study. No, if you're a reanimator uh, deck, you could just hard cast your big creatures, right? Like, but I, but you don't, Tomer, if you get shut down by a rest, by a Rest in Peace, then you've built a bad deck. Like, what you Tomer, Tomer, build something Tomer, better. Tomer? Tomer?
1: This is exactly it, though, right? Like, if I know you hate it that much. Or someone else at the table like is gonna hate it that much. I let them this, deal with it. This is perfect. Okay. Right? You play and, like if the three of us play with Tomer, that's perfect because Tober will happily remove it, and we
2: will
0: yeah. happily not remove it. <laughs> yeah, and you'll yeah. happily lose to it. Like, but like oh, it's I okay, just but know. will remove it, right? Okay, <laughs> yeah. and, I, and when I don't have the answer, and you guys sit on your answer, but we're
3: okay with that.
2: We're okay with that Like we're all okay with no one removing it, so that is already okay, okay with us. But then <laughs> sure. it's a bonus if someone goes out of the way to remove it, right? So like you're, it's a win-win
0: for us. No, but you're talking this about is, technical plays. You just you will just throw the game because you I, hope I think that the right technical have the play is spells. to not remove it. Right?
2: I mean, yeah, you're, you're that's all, not you're politics, right? But that, you you're can argue crazy. with that that that's not uh, correct, right? But I think that's the correct technical. How, play, many, right? times, how uh, many times?
0: How many times do you have
3: to lose to Ristic study before you decide oh, it's worth spending a removal? On? I'm I'm curious though. Let's replace Ristic study with Morari's Wake or smothering Tide. some other really busted enchantment because I'm like. I think Tomer gets in a blind rage whenever a study comes up. So it makes sense to me that Tomer's going to want to deal with a stick study. That like, well, removal? Yeah, but, like, I'd remove it. Especially best... if they
0: have a full grip of cards. Like, if, if they have like seven cards in hand and they drop down a, a smothering tie, the entire table, the best interest to increase their win percentage is removing the smothering tie. Same thing if you drop like a Mirari's Wake. Like, are you, are you are you crazy? They're going to untap <laughs> and win. What? <laughs>
2: Well, we're how is so this, noble how is the this table. like? No, it's not noble. It's like
0: it's like proper play. You know, like, funny. if I have infin- if I have infinite mana, the only thing that's stopping me from winning the game is is having a full grip of cards to spend that mana on. Because ramp by itself is meaningless. You need to have something to spend the mana on. So if the person already has the cards, they need the mana. They're going to outvalue you in a single turn if you don't deal with it. And even like. The- I, just, I, I don't even see Marari's
1: Wake and Ristic Study as the same thing. I, I will blow. A, I will make it a thing to make sure the Marari's Wake doesn't happen, but the Ristic Study you can, just, you can have happen.
3: <laughs> Maybe this is just all our personal biases. Yeah, okay, <laughs> well, okay, all okay, the cards okay. that we dislike in a magical, magical world.
0: In a magical world where everybody pays the one for risk study, then yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be that that blind range. But if I'm sitting with with Seth and Seth is just like, let them draw. <laughs> <But> <laughs> so, yes.
2: so, so Tomer's taking the stance that there's no such thing as wasting removal, right? Like any like really high tier threat, you should like snap it off, right? No,
0: it's whatever increases your win present. I I totally agree with you guys. We're like, if there's a big threat on the table, I'm not just gonna blind throw my removal at it because they become the arch enemy they will take the threat off me somebody else might be pressed to deal with them or we just deal with them collectively however I also know because I played a lot of Rhystic Study <laughs> games that the risk Study player just still wins in the arch enemy role <laughs> because they have force of will because they have fierce guardianship because they have so much interaction that is free that breaks the, the action economy that they're still going to beat you even if you say hey the Ristic Study player is the arch enemy we even played remember the no ban list uh commander that we did and then Krim just dropped a, a, a Rhystic Study and none of us could deal with it and he drew like a billion cards and he was an arch enemy and we Breacher. all teamed up against him we were all like we have to beat it Krim whole, and Krim Hall just Breacher. beat us all remember
1: that <laughs> do, it,
2: do, no, do, I don't. do you not
0: remember
1: the Rhystic Study games like it was Hall no. <laughs> and
0: then I plus one party Jace I would oh, just say, yeah. like,
3: uh, four-player four games are different than 1v1 games, though. Like, in a 1v1 game, if your opponent's win percentage goes up, yours goes down, in a four-player game, an opponent's win percentage going up doesn't necessarily mean your win percentage is going down, because you have two other players, so it's not necessarily reducing your personal chances of winning the game, because someone else's.
2: So, so I was talking about personal chances. When someone pops off, I think my win percentage goes up. Right, because it's like easy politics. It's easy arch enemy. It's easy for me to do what I need to do now without getting the flack. And I think a lot of times the way you win in our playgroup is you let Phil soul ring into uh, you know Stone, and then you yourself soul ring. You're behind mm-hmm. Phil. Phil is leading the charge. Everyone focuses on <laughs> Phil, and when he's dead, you're left king. <laughs> right? Like that's Maybe. the best way
0: to win. Right? Or sometimes uh, but- he just beats us all. Like. <laughs> like, he shrooms us to death, you know? Sure, when he has but I, exceedingly, exceedingly rare.
2: But, okay, so, okay, we know Tomer's threshold. Krim, what is your threshold for wasting <laughs> removal?
1: What is considered a waste of removal, then? So, for me, like, a waste of removal is legitimately, if I can use this to, like, either a... I'm only using this as an emergency red button. Like, if somebody is about to pop off and win the game, then I will use it. Yeah. Uh, other or, or 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 I mean, like, there's a little bit of BM here and there. Like, sometimes you gotta just turn one's swords <laughs> to plowshares. I mean, unless somebody's playing green, if somebody plays green, yeah. then you'll just you'll just <laughs> well, no, well, no, because green, there's no wasted removal. <laughs> 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 no, but like even against green decks, I will like I will just sit there and wait, right? Because I know that it's green. That's not the end of their turn. They have a lot more to do, right? So. I, I think, like, unless it actively hurts my game plan, like, oh, I'm, I could save this for, like, an Immortal Sun in my Super Friends deck. Or or if I know you've got some kind of haster or, like, a Kalia is about to come down, I probably need to be ready for that, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I do not do something unless I think it's going to absolutely, like, lose me the game by letting it, like, happen. Otherwise, you can't, like, sit there. I just get punched in the face. I'm okay with that. Whatever, right? Like, I, I will use
3: my life as a resource for quite some time. I think I can be pretty wasteful with my removal sometimes. Uh, just firing it off because I can at a good threat, that's probably something I could actually improve on to some extent. But I think ideally, like, you want... I mean, the best removal spell is the one that's left in your hand at the end of the game, right? The one that you didn't mm-hmm. have to use, like, in, uh, in a perfect world. So I think ideally, you're only using it on stuff that is directly impacting you. I think where I make mistakes is hitting stuff that... Is kind of negative for the whole table, and I know everyone's going to be happy to see it removed, but maybe it's not. Like, the Dranith Magistrate kind brought up earlier, like, it's annoying, everyone dislikes it, and be like, alright, whatever, I gotta remove this spell, just kill it for the sake of everyone. When really, I think that's probably not correct as far as, like, maximizing my chances of winning, really.
1: Right, like, if you know your deck doesn't care about a Dranith Magistrate, like, sure, you're kind of, like, it's like mm-hmm. a little bit BME, it's like sitting there like, haha, I'm a 1-3, right? And that's it, that's all it is at the end of the day, I I, but... Ah. But if you don't care I can about w- your commander, hitting the board that much. Your deck still has numerous ways to win. Then I'm going to let that benefit me because you know. Let's just say Tomer's got you know Niv Mizzet and Richard's got I don't know uh, Rograk <laughs> or something like that. Who you like? You know that these people are trying to build their decks around that. Like I'm going to let you sit there with that
3: Magistrate. It doesn't do anything sure. to me i think i convinced myself going back to richard's last point that i'm gonna get some political favor out of it in the long run like oh i'll do this for the good of everyone and it'll pay off like later in the game and usually it doesn't no yeah, one remembers like one no one cares yeah <laughs> <laughs> or something yeah. Yeah, no
2: one cares anymore right they're like thank you for propelling me. i mean
0: yeah but then then sometimes the viewers get upset like remember filled in wipe a board when i had like elf ball or something and everybody got mad at him but like you can use that I, philosophy that, at the same time. I was correct, though.
2: Right? Oh, we should have a whole podcast on that, right? Like, I, <laughs> I can see his line, and I, it's a lot more incident. debatable
0: than what the viewers were.
2: Stating, well, yeah, he
0: would right? have lost more than half his mana base.
2: Yeah, but his his other side was one more land, and he would draw ten off of it, right? So yeah, but Agreed. you know how that was his own thing. I feel about wasting removal. I think most. Casts are waste, therefore I don't even put removal in my deck. Right? I I agree with Krim, right? Path. Like you only use it when you're about to die. I feel it's like a three for one. So it's like ripping off like a path to exile or like a an evoked solitude in modern. Like you don't do it on turn one willy-nilly, right? You do it when you absolutely need to and you're about to die. You know, like you can't just go down like three cards for fun, right? So I don't think. There are many situations that want removal, so I just play less. But then, because I play less, you need to be very particular about your removal, right? Like, if you remove the wrong thing, you're just gonna die, right? And so- that's.
1: And that's why it's important to run more removal. I'm on that (laughs) camp. (laughs) Like policing
0: the board for everyone, right? Like, what was the point of that, right? No, but like, (laughs) okay, you you say that, like, I totally agree with Richard, and like, I I think I was wasteful, more wasteful removal until like the past couple years. But like, I want even Seth, Seth's actually really good at at holding removal. Sometimes, like, I I will (laughs) look at some commander clashes just to see what people (laughs) had in their hands at a given time. And like Krim will, will like really sit on like a singular counter magic for an entire game and then use it at the opportune moment when he really needs to. And Richard does the same thing. Um Seth also, like, I, I have seen games where he does it too, and like these are good like learning moments for me. But at the same time, you need to have that removal. If it will save you your game, and if you're running none of it, then guess what? You'll never have that removal ready. So like, That's I don't true. know. Especially with how easy it is to make drenner card advantage these days. Like, it's easy. It's either in any color now to draw a, a full group of cards at any given time. You gotta make sure that you have like the answer. One of those cards is going to be the answer that saves That's your. That's why you put
2: two pieces of removal in your
0: deck. Turn. But then you won't see oh, it, and you lose the,
2: the back game. A piece of removal. That's so little. Just, It just tip over. That's
3: like so I want to have little. a removal spell in my. Hand. <laughs> and no wonder Richard can't waste removal. if He's only playing a single piece. No, no, really like, the section like wipes. every single play game
1: instant
2: speed creature removal.
1: Uh, I sure as heck know. do. That's all. That's why that this is the thought process that led to us hand like just handing Seth a win. Now, Richard, you got it. Use it.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why I'm saying. like 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 if, if Seth was like, hey, my commander is Murim, and I know for a fact that if Murim gets a tap, I lose the game. Guess what? I need to have a removal spell for Mirawim. Like, oh, you're like, oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm so glad that it will be like somebody else's, uh, some, Tomer will de- deal with all the issues. But the thing is, like, if I don't deal with the issues, and you guys aren't, then Mirawim's going to untap and win the game. Like, how many times do you have well, to no, see that You, 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 you have a
2: plan to live through the Mirawim. Right, like,
0: well, you're gonna you're gonna hold your dawn charm and fog one attack from the yes, from actually, the dragons? right?
2: <laughs> that might be better than just firing <laughs> off removal and then you know delaying it by one turn, you know, and like you know not getting anywhere. What, right, Mirren's a six drop, like. I you think where, it, that's, You uh, just need two more mana to recast and do
0: the same thing again. Right? That's a full turn off mm-hmm. off the person. That's like the exact. That's better than than the dawn charm where you dawn just charm stop is a full their, turn as well. A fog. <laughs> no, they like got to cast, the They got to spend all their mana doing whatever the heck they want that turn. That turn instead, they spend their whole mana uh, recasting mirror for We need, need to play a game of commander
2: together. <laughs> <laughs> <Like> we, <laughs> controlling commander. the same person. It'll be so
0: interesting because we disagree on how
2: the game should be played out. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: agree with you to so many extents like I, I learned from I learned from you guys a lot but like I still run removal. I still think like it's better to not lose but the just game just don't waste it. exactly just don't waste it. I agree. Hence our
1: point. Don't waste it but also know that there's lots of threats that need to go. So yes. yeah. <laughs>
0: And I also agree with your point about t- uh, popping off to an extent as well. Like CDH taught me this a lot. I have a Niv Mizzet CDH combo deck. And the idea is you, you get Niv Mizzet on the battlefield and then you put a curiosity piece on him. So you do arbitrarily high number of card draw, arbitrary uh, high number of ping. And when I used to play CDH Niv Mizzet, I used to try to force that as quickly as possible. So I get Niv Mizzet out and then I try to get the curiosity combo out as quickly as possible it wouldn't almost never work out. I would get shut down and then the next person would immediately win. So what I would do now is I would just put down a miss it, and I would pass and I would just let other people pop up. I would I would have curiosity in my hand. I wouldn't cast it until other people would pop off, shut those people down, then I'd go for the win. And I think like that's that's a good mentality to have as long as you know that you can survive the other people popping off. If you can't survive the other people popping off, you got to you got to shut them down. Just got to go for it or shut them bud. So, I don't know. This is an, this was a definitely an interesting one to debate. And I think the comment section will have some good insight. So, let us know in the comment section below how you deal with this uh, wasting removal topic. Uh, and would you remove uh, risk Study ASAP? Or would you just lose to Rhystic Study? The choice is yours. <laughs> just let, just, just let, use let more politics. The politics <laughs> you out of risk Yeah, yeah. Who, whoever um, responds to that, oh, <laughs> you kill it every time. That's exactly yeah. it. I'll just let you do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to move on and i'm going to have one tip and this tip is not having a backup plan um a lot of decks will be like all right i have this one combo that i want to pull off the deck is built around this one combo but what happens when the combo gets shut down do you have any other ways of winning the game and i think this is super important because like, you're playing as three people. They're going to ideally have interaction and try to stop you from winning the game. They might exile a piece that you have. Maybe they're running mill or something. Maybe they've gone to you. And your your main win condition is not always going to pan out. Actually, statistically, it's not going to pan out. So you're going to have to have a reason, a, a way of still winning the game. Most combat decks are going to have many ways of winning the game. They just want to hit you with any any creature. Any creature will do. You know, if you're a stompy deck like Xenagos or something like that. Uh, you just smash with anything, but even in those cases, what if? Like I, re- I remember I had like a Xenagos against a Green Fog deck. It was a, it was very similar to Richard's, uh, Richard's style of I forget the name of it, uh, but basically it would run the buyback, uh, Fog ability or Spore Frog, and you would not be able to deal combat damage. So do you have a backup plan for? or the main way that your win condition gets shut down. And the way that I did it is I would run like stuff like Warstorm Surge, Terror of the Peaks, where whenever a creature enters the battlefield, I can deal direct damage to a person's face. And that got around the whole fog issue, and that, that gave me an avenue to win games that I otherwise was not able to win with my primary win condition. And you can do the same thing with combos. You can have a backup combo or a backup way of winning the game. But I think every single deck needs to have some way of still securing a victory instead of being like, well, I lost this one card or my opponent has the perfect
3: response to me. I guess I literally don't have a way to win. I definitely agree with that. And I think it's like, It doesn't have to be some big, huge thing. A lot of times it can be one or two cards is all you really need. You mentioned, like, your War Storm Surges. You can have backup combos if you're playing a creature deck or a beatdown deck. It's not that hard to have two cards that synergize with each other. and Like, oh, I accidentally have this way that I can win when everything goes bad. So I think that's definitely really important, and it's something that's easy to miss. We've seen, like some commander clash games where someone's trying to do something and a card gets exiled or milled. And all of a sudden it's like, Oh no, like I can't do what my deck was designed to do. And then you really need to have a way that you can still be in that game and still have a chance to win. Even once you're, whatever you're trying to execute gets shut down. So yeah, I think that's definitely very good advice.
2: I would also advise to not have your backup plan overshadow your primary plan. So Hmm. let's say you're playing like Finax mill or something and, you're afraid someone's going to imprison in the moon your finax, so your deck will be like totally useless, right? And then you're like, "Well, I'll just play Thoracle, you know, yeah. so that I could uh, win through that, right?" Like, no, 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 right? Like, then you just became a Thorical deck, and then it's not cool anymore, right? Your backup should probably be like, I don't know, yeah. Tasha's hideous laughter combo or something. You know what yeah. I mean? Like some other brew theme way Yeah, yeah, because otherwise, like, you know, if a red deck, you can just go to helm anyone, right? But, like, if you you did that, did you do what you wanted to do? You may have gotten the W, but maybe you cheated yourself out of a victory, right? Like, so, if your backup is too good, it's the primary. And also, it makes very awkward playing. Like, should I keep working towards my 8-card janky combo or just my 2-card insanely efficient combo that I have in hand, right? Now what do you do, right? So, yeah, make sure you don't go too crazy
1: with that. And it's still on flavor,
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. That's pretty. That's actually a uh, pretty pretty good. I, I've seen I've seen so many decks where they just get overshadowed by their backup combo because, like, oh, you know what? That, then it's like, you just became a Thorical deck. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, it's like, oh, it's a janky Kiki. deck, but I just wanted this backup to win. But like. My
1: backup to win is like So a I horrible. came up with a sweet janky idea, but also I'm gonna win with infinite
0: mana, and then I'm gonna torment yeah, it yeah, yeah. you, right? Like it, it, it's a it's a it's a Boros equipment deck, and it's just supposed to win by attacking. But oh, yeah, I have yeah. Yodoh, and I have Helm of the House, so <laughs> I mean, it's equipment. Right? Oops. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was guilty of that, by the way. I had a Boros <laughs> equipment deck, and I had both pieces, and I'm like, oh, I guess this is kind of lame. <laughs> I took that out. Uh, I, knowing I you, Tom, you that, yeah. probably also had a combo in there somehow, nah. I, had, I, had, I had an accidental combo that I had to very tearfully take away. I had Sword of Hearts at home, and Aurelia, the war leader, Aurelia says whenever it attacks for the first time each combat or each oh, turn, you can, uh, can oh, take turn, it. so uh. you could blink it. And so I had both on board, and I attacked somebody, and you're like, wait, do you win the game i'm like no i don't obviously i don't win the game (laughs) it's like no no you can you can blink this aurelia because i was attacking with two creatures one was equipped with the the thing and one was aurelia and so and then i was like oh i guess i win (laughs) but (laughs) i didn't want to win that way it was lame (laughs) so i took that i took out uh i don't know that's pretty cool
1: that's pretty cool actually
0: (laughs) yeah but it felt like i wanted to win with cauldra so i was like uh is (laughs) is, is that possible that I haven't done it yet, but I'll let you know. <laughs> Cal- Calder is okay. Someday. Okay. Someday. Hey, I won on Commander Clash, all right? It's done. It's over. It's the season I wasn't there, Tomer. Exactly. <laughs> and I think most importantly is having backup plans if you're playing against Krim, because I can't <laughs> tell you how many times Krim has exiled a piece face down, so I literally have no outs to finding it. There, there's no backup to that, right? You can't no, there's uh, do a face down exile, right? It's only face-up cards. You can only get face-up <laughs> cards from Exile. There's literally zero ways of getting it when Exile face down. <laughs> In between Trust all, me, all my, my milling
1: and exiling random things. It's pretty fun, uh, actually. I get so many win God. conditions compiled up.
0: <laughs> all right. Um, moving on. Seth, what do you got for us for tip number two? Oh,
3: this is another big one, and it's making yourself looks scarier than you are for no reason and this actually includes a lot of different things i think in the early days of Commander Clash, I was famous for being like, "Hey, can I win this or can I win next turn?" and just kind of like telegraphing, which is like obviously going to make everyone try to kill you in the next turn cycle, or because they know that there's some chance that you're going to win the game. But this also just includes how you play the games as well. Like we've had some conversations about should you run out Soul Ring on turn one if you don't have a follow up, or another huge one is people running out combo pieces without having the combo. Like you see a lot of someone runs out in Ashnod's altar or even just like playing an Ashnod's altar, but not comboing with it where you're like, oh, I'm playing this fairly. It's a stack outlet. It'll be fine. I'm not like trying to do anything degenerate. No one's going to believe that. And rightly so. So you're going to draw all this heat for no reason. So I think that's one of the, one of the biggest mistakes that I made when I first started playing commander and that people still make, like uh, be aware of how your opponents are going to perceive the, your cards, your deck, and I think it goes right down to the commander you reveal, like I've also learned that if you play a commander that everyone thinks of as busted, and you try to build it in a nice way, it's probably not going to work, because everyone's still going to think, oh, they're going to do something degenerate with the Ur-Dragon, or with Edgar, or whatever, like you're not going to, no one's going to believe you have a nice, kind version that they're going to enjoy playing against, so you're going to be the arch enemy, and if you draw that heat, and you are playing a janky version of Edgar, or the Ur-Dragon, you're probably going to get beaten down like you were playing a strong version, version so you got to back it up so i think those are just things to think through like be aware how of how other people are perceiving your deck and try to avoid making yourself look scarier than you really are because you end up paying the price for it or back it up or, <laughs> or back, back it up yeah, yeah. but like, then you really scary, are scary like if you, if you, you really scary, are scary right? then that's Play fine the combat, yeah right and yeah. It. They...
1: i think you own it right like you own it you could squeeze your own stuff in there but yeah
0: i totally agree this is like a common thing that i see especially like in random play groups and then it's easy to get like upset too when you're when you're not running something very scary but you drop down something scary and then it's somebody like people are scared of it <laughs> they remove it but you're like well i don't have the combo yet blah blah blah, blah. and it's just like it's it feels bad at that point and it's like you got to know how stuff is getting perceived um, and richard's
3: great at this too with like yes. his finishers and his creature decks like you don't just run out your true conviction and then try to build your board or run out your coat of arms and try to build your board you wait and you get your board set up and then you drop the and then you win the game uh so i think richard's like the master of this in our play yeah. group at least oh, I and i think Trim's like though, the right? master of backing it up because <laughs> he will <laughs> be like come at me bro <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, like I think this is why you don't play like half stacks, right? Everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, stacks,
2: you know, better kill. It. Like you got to stack them out to not die, right? So you, yeah. you got to kind of commit. But mm-hmm. you can actually look scary. I, I do this all the time where like I draw a lot of cards and they're like, wow, Richie just drew 50 cards. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, sure did. I can't do anything because I'm a Kithkin deck and I need, like, five combats to kill you, but I look insanely scary because I have unlimited mana and cards, right? I
0: want to draw 50 cards, though, Richard. You're rubbing in my face now.
2: (laughs) So their cards, like, maybe Land Tax can inadvertently Mm. look scary. Like, like, oh my goodness, Tomer has seven cards in hand, but there's six
0: planes, right? Yeah, Yeah, you have to, like, remind the table, like, you saw me draw six of those cards. (laughs) They're all planes. (laughs) Yeah. Or, like, building up, like, a
2: big board when you don't have the overrun in hand. Like, you're just mm-hmm, inviting mm-hmm, a board mm-hmm. wipe for no reason. Like, don't commit to resources unless <laughs> you're actually going to untap and win because that's what everyone thinks you're about to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Either either don't look scary or if you're looking scary, just commit to it. And, uh... Back it up, right? Back it up. Back it oh, up. It's a See later. Yeah. Fair enough. All right, moving on. Richard, what's your second tip for the group? This is a good fallacy
2: here. Just because it's bad for you doesn't mean it's good for your opponent. Now, in 1v1, this is true, right? There's two players. If something is bad for your opponent, it's good for you and vice versa. In Commander, there are four players Right, so just because someone does something to you and it's bad for you doesn't mean it's good for them. And the best example of this was when Krim swords my turn one jeweled Lotus Commander, right? And everyone's like, "Richard doesn't even removal." I'm like, "Yes, I got my face wrecked in." Right, but did Krim actually increase the odds of him winning the game? Right? That's so. the question you really need to be asking if you're trying to evaluate removal, not how hard I got wrecked, right? <laughs> and the answer probably is like you probably shouldn't have. But like, bounce lines I don't mind? know about that. I agree with, I agree with that, that, That's content. That's content, right? But like, let's say I play a bounce land and you have a strip mine. If you strip mine me, you are most likely incorrect unless you have like some way to recur or, you know, do something weird, right? Like, that's you just went down land. versus two. Yeah. <laughs> No, 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 no. So it's horrendous for the person with the bounce land. But for the person with the strip mine, they just went down two lands, you know, against the other two opponents, right? So it's like really
0: bad for them. So they shouldn't yeah, but be you doing it. I can compare a strip mine to a source bot. Unless, unless you have like, you're already on like land number 10 or something. And then, yeah, okay, you strip mine. Yeah, yeah. That's comparable. But like, a turn one, like, says Commandeer strip mine, for example, he spent his first land drop. To remove my land like That's that is terrible. an enormous commitment
3: i mean it was hilarious I, in my defense an i also commitment. had a, a mana crypt at that point so <clears throat> what yeah, do i yeah, need thanks, lands for <laughs> well, the, i would
0: i would say after commandeering the, the the mana crypt probably the strip mine is a huge investment but like crimps is spending one swords of plasters to to basically take out an opponent for, like, the entirety of the game, I think it's very much worth it. I mean, I that's got, fine,
2: but that's a debate you should be having, right? Did Krim yeah. increase or decrease his chance of winning the game by spending a mana, spending removal, etc.? Not, Not, like, from- Richard, you... Were erased from the game immediately by removal <laughs> hence you should play more removal right? like that doesn't make any sense <laughs> well you got a counter magic in him I don't know exactly you <laughs> could be debating removal, should though. you be playing Fierce Guardianship maybe you should be playing like Blossom Defense or something right but you're evaluating from the wrong lens right you should be evaluating from Crim's POV and whether it's worth it or not right and oh, of course there's other value there's technical play and also for the memes yeah. right maybe it's, technically it's also wrong, we're also talking about the memes, casual, it's hilarious yeah. right <laughs> it was a, a <laughs> it was a great moment
3: that's yeah. what i was gonna say from I would do it 100% POV. every time <laughs> From Grim's point of view, it's definitely correct because yeah, he did just he? can do whatever trolls the most, and that's like also definitely the most trolling it too, thing so you can You're can like, do. that's it, I can take a uh, sorts of plowshares. And the
0: yeah. was just like, wish yeah. granted, and, and I got <laughs> the You actually taunted
1: me and goaded me into it, you know? So I was like, I criminal. was actually the Wishmaster. <laughs> that that right. was just next I level
3: politics, but my
1: technical
2: movie. play
3: wasn't
1: correct. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I think richard does have a good point though like going back to the bounce land thing that's a really good example of that like you do have four players each of them are trying to win the game and just hurting one opponent if it hurts yourself too isn't necessarily sure maybe it hurts the opponent more but you're also like decreasing your chances winning the game and i don't think a lot of people think that way when it comes to commander i think especially if you're coming from 1v1 where you're used to like the zero sum game of like if it's bad for you it's good for me i think that's an adjustment when you start playing commander
1: I think where like a a more common uh, like way you're going to see that situation come up for you is like if you have a board and then your opponents have a, like one of your opponents has a better board and you have a sweeper but you are going to sweep your own board right mm-hmm. so like is it worth doing this yes you will severely dunk the opponent but you will also sweep your own board so yeah, yeah. That's that's just like one of those things you have to weigh out, right? Like, and that and that's uh, there's so many variants that go into that. Like, you know, like like you have to look at your hand. What do you have in your hand? Can you redeploy? Do you have a way to like get your whole board back? Like a like a Patriarch's bidding or something like that, or maybe not Patriarch's bidding because that just gives everything your opponent brought back. Uh, but but yeah, like so like yeah, like haunting voyage or whatever, right? Like it, it, there's mm-hmm. lots of things that factor into like whether or not you should sweep. But I think it's still important. To have uh again those sweepers in your aggro deck so you can be put in those situations, because I, yeah, yeah, so, so I, here's a good example which
2: I I know Tomer goes through this a lot right. There's a counter spell because he goes after Crib and he, <laughs> there's open mana right and you're like if I play my commander and Krim counters it, <laughs> my game is ruined, right? Like, I am totally dunked on, and, like, this is no good for me, right? But you mm-hmm. need to think about Krim. Like, would Krim want to counter your commander? And you need, for Krim, you got to think about the troll factor, too, right? He but might yeah, just well, do well, Crim to is troll like, you. I assume Krim will. But also, technically, <laughs> is this what he wants to be doing? And you can conclude <laughs> yes. that, no, Krim would not technically do this. I am safe to run my commander, even though I know he has a counterspell ah. in hand right even though he would totally wreck your
0: face if he countered you right but I feel it would like not Krim would go out of his way to, to to troll me though that's where i'm at so it it, it
1: it would it would really have to be a good troll like 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 yeah. a really good troll but otherwise i mean like why would i want to manage your two mana commander when i know that like
0: yeah richard exactly, has his
1: right. six right or or four yeah. or something like that yeah
0: I just I get worried around Crim in particular. If it was any other uh, any other person, <laughs> well, I'd be like, all right, just make sense. it is self
1: induced, all right? Hey, like, like, you're, right, every, okay. like you purposely played in the opposition agent, <laughs> <and> so like. <laughs> I like, yeah, so of I've
0: respected Opposition Agent for so many you episodes. He respects it so much now, cuz You, you haven't seen yeah, him this yeah. season. Yeah. He respects it so much. What do you mean? It's what funny
3: because like now... not even there, so I haven't seen an Opposition Agent in, like, oh, no. I don't even know, two months.
1: The mana tithe effect. You do it one time. You just get it, You get it one time. That's all. You're in my head now.
0: Um, okay. okay. I think one, one particularly important uh, example of this, though, is... Uh, stacks pieces like Drannith Magistrate and stuff like there are a lot of cards I, I you see this mostly in CDH and I know there's a lot of raging debate there too um, but like if somebody's running a stacks piece that uh, uh, negatively affects you but it negatively affects all the opponents too, you have to think about how much does this actually negatively affect me how much is that going to lower my, my win percentage because like if somebody puts a, a, a Drannith Magistrate down on the table and it's like locking me out from playing my commander i look at the other commanders that are being locked out and i'm seeing their board states and how many cards they have in hand and i'm like if i removed if this drain of the magistrate was gone would that be better or worse for me you know and like if somebody's playing like i don't know joyra or or something that i know is a very scary commander scarier than whatever i could do i'm actually really happy to see the drain of the magistrate there it sucks because i don't get to do my thing but it's actually holding back even scarier things and i'd much rather let those people deal with the magistrate and then i can have my removal for the scary things you know so like pieces it, always like not blowing yeah. up the risk study yeah oh no because i always <laughs> lose the <Ristic> study yeah <laughs> I, like, see, I agree with you guys to an extent, but then you throw out, like, oh, I never blow up Bristick's any. I'm like, what are you doing? Then you just lose.
2: Oh. What Tomer describes happens so frequently that I stop playing stacks in CDH. <laughs> I, I, wow. I, I, I always, like, lay down all the stacks pieces, yeah. and then a player will that. remove all the stacks pieces, and then just pass the turn, and then the next player wins. <laughs> I'm like, if you removed all the pieces in one, I'm like, good job, sir, right? But... All you did was just remove it because it annoyed you and then let the next person win. What what game plan was this, right? So, and this happened like an insanely large number of times, right? Like they would just like Blood Moon, remove it. Null Rod, remove it, right? Like without thinking of like, it's actually suppressing your opponents more than yourself. So you should actually let it sit, right? And wait, you know, have a plan to win the game when you remove it and not just pass the turn and let the next person win. Like that's super awkward, right? So, yeah.
0: Very I think common. it's even it's probably worse than casual too because there's like a taboo against playing those type of cards. So like, people would be like, "How dare you even bring this to the table?" And now mm-hmm. like you are being you're being like aggroed out, even though like these cards might actually be helping that person. Um, yeah. So it's definitely something to like. You should always be calculating like, okay, this card is is negatively affecting me, but is it actually helping me out you you need to always evaluate the board state so thing to think about um all right we'll move on krim what's your second tip for us despite all the things that we've also just said right like play this play that right
1: do do this but one one thing that i've i've also noticed that people are very afraid to cut efficient cards for pet cards meme cards whatever they want to play which I, I'm not going to lie to you. I think you should play what you want to play. Like, play... If if this card, like, means a lot to you, still play... Like, if you wanted to play Doomblade in 2022, because you're like, yo, this Obnixless Doomblade art is fire, then do that. Like, yeah, clearly Price of Fame or, like, Deadly Rollick is just the better spell, but, but you're like, this Doomblade art is my favorite. It's tattooed on my face. Then, okay, get it. <laughs> Go play it, right? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, th- I, that is something that I notice too often. It's like... You'll be like, why do you play this when this just strictly is better? Well, Shadow Mage Infiltrator sucks. Yes, I get that. But check this out. (laughs) I like this card. (laughs) Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Like like, the the thing here is we're talking about casual. So in casual, I think this is where this is fine. Like play what you want to play. Play the art. Like if it's like, oh, well, you know, I just don't like I like this counterspell better because it's got cooler art. I like this creature better. It's clearly the most suboptimal version of this card whatever right like play the card that you want to play because at the end of the day commander is that right play what you want to play
2: yeah it's like such a competitive this is not just for casual In competitive
0: play what you want to play
2: right it's not very competitive yeah, people play <laughs> 60 card formats playing their stupid pet cards all the time in legacy vintage yeah, standard yeah. modern like commander's no different right like yes you want to win, but the actual number one goal is to have fun, right? And if you right. have more fun playing jank cards, then you just work super hard at winning with those jank cards, mm. but, like, don't cut them out and become, you know, salty good stuff just
3: because they're better cards,
2: right? Like, play the cards you want to play, right? Otherwise, what's the point?
3: Do you guys think this is the EDH recification of Commander? Like, I think EDH rec's a great tool, but do you think it's that... Uh, Commander, when it started, you didn't have any tools or any data... And now it's really easy to like click on a commander and see what everyone else is playing in the commander. Do you think that makes people uh, make it makes it easier for people to just like feel the pressure to have to play the cards everyone else is playing, and less likely to play their pet cards because they feel like they're doing it wrong or something? I actually
1: think this is working in favor of the people that want to play their pet cards because now you have the perfect information. You've played it. You'll try it. You'll understand what this kid – like, example, I've played – I'm playing this, I don't know, random deck, right? I've now learned that this tutor effect can be replaced by a worse tutor because it's a tutor that I know – like, I know what spots are flex spots, which cards are replaceable because now I've played the best versions of them, right? So I actually think having the information and all of that out there is actually pretty good for you and it allows you to like figure out what you where you can power down, what cards are like, you know, as as I had mentioned flexible in a deck.
0: Hmm. Nah, I I think I think it's harder to play pet cards these days just because I don't think it's EDH wreck in in general it's just, it's like also like people wizards are printing more powerful cards as well and in the power you know, gap. If you op- if you open it up then you're going to want to play it. But like I think yeah, it's it's a power power level issue. I think like commander the average play group a decade ago was lower power than it is now so you might feel a little bit more pressured to cut your less efficient pest cards over time like my random six drop that i that i love for the art you know is just not getting there anymore i need to have a i need to have a faster start, you know i need to have a, a better curve so i'm gonna start cutting out the pet cards and putting in you know the more efficient things but yeah i don't think it's like EDH Wreck or anything. It's just it's just the power level has gone up. I mean,
2: I agree, Tomer. I think EDH Wreck leads to power creep, right? Like, it's much easier to build the efficient, correct version of your commander. And then overall, cards have just gotten super strong and, like, super synergistic. And so it's, like, a combination of both. But mm-hmm. I I don't know. Like, that's just... That's not a game issue, right? That's, like, a player base issue, right? Everyone decided to power creep. Right, like everyone can just decide to roll pre if they felt like <laughs> it right like there, there's some line at CDH where you're like oh I'm casual now right but you could have drawn a line earlier right and be like you know this format is about playing five mana draw twos or something right and yeah. this is what we're gonna do right but I don't know I think but it's pre-cons also like, are
0: pretty strong too like much stronger than they were long ago I pre would say. Pre-cons
2: are exceptionally strong nowadays and I think people give them a bad rap kind of like white is bad like Precons used to be bad, but, like, they're no longer bad. They're very strong nowadays.
3: I do think it has something to do with the card pool, too, though. Just, like, the stronger cards. I've noticed this even in in Modern. Like, uh, since we got Modern Horizons 2 and all the really strong cards there, it's harder to take a card from 10 years ago and actually compete with it uh, with an against the odds deck. And I feel like the same thing is happening... In commander, Like, if the staples are, like, way up here, your random old janky thing from 20 years ago is is gonna be worse in comparison. Like, the, the power level, uh, the differential is bigger than it used to be. So, uh, I think if everyone is defaulting to playing the staples, it does make your janky decks less competitive and your pet cards less competitive, but that's not a reason to not play them, because when it comes down to it, like, you should be doing what gives you the most fun. Like, that's the whole reason we play commander. And... If that's winning with your janky stuff, that's how I have the most fun. Like, I feel much more accomplished when I win doing my janky weird thing than if I just throw in all the best cards and win with it. So I think you got to keep in mind, like, what your goals are and, and what actually gives you joy from playing Magic and play that way.
1: I mean, yeah, like, like that. that's probably the best way to go about it, right? And it just does happen to be that some of my pet cards from its life are like notion thief which was like terrible to play for a while in standard oh my I, jam- God. I jammed that yep. all the time i was like ha ha oh, cavern yeah. of souls human <laughs> no <laughs> one Wasn't was it ready standard with sphinx's revs when when sphinx yeah <laughs> yeah when rev came up but like like got when him. i was hitting people's uh you know like gristle like i played against a reanimator deck in standard and they tried to gristle rev i'm like ha ha i will got draw seven. seven got him <laughs>
0: you're not naming giant over turn one cavern no, of souls no.
1: <laughs> i did cavern of souls everything though that, that that card was in my control deck
0: out of the sideboard <laughs> uh i mean I, I i always respect people who play pet cards to this day because i know like you could have you could have ran something more powerful but like yeah if we're at if we're at a, also like a casual table like we're not cdh or whatever or even if you're at CDH, I don't know. Like you guys if you play real yeah. CDH, people play yeah. pet cards all the time. Yeah. It's not yeah. like all
2: sweaty people playing like the one tier <laughs> list, right? It's like if you go to a legacy tournament, not everyone is playing yeah. the one, you know, tier 1 deck. People are playing all kinds of like weird stuff, right? It's just skewed higher power level and they understand that they're interacting with Thoracle. They're not going to be like, "Oh, unfair," right? But people play all kinds
0: of like weird nonsense in CDH. And if you're if you're playing lower power stuff, it does kind it doesn't fully balance out, but it kind of does a little bit because of threat assessment, right? Like if you're not running, if you're not running smothering tithe, you're running something that is like a ramp spell that is kind of cute but less efficient. Um, then people will not be as scared of of that ability, right? So in that regard, because it is multiplayer and not one versus one, um, you know, if Crim's jamming a Shadow Mage infiltrator, and I know that Shadow Mage infiltrator could have been like a Dothy Voidwalker instead, like, or I don't remember the name of it. The one, the they're, the they're the one. They're in the you know, same badge. It's pretty yeah. good, though. But it's like, like a Toski on a creature. It's a, you draw one card, though. You only draw one card. Three That's mana, dude. So, like, I won't, be, I won't be scared of the Shadow Mage infiltrator, and, you know, like, I it will go under the radar. Like so put that kind of balances that. out a little bit. You Whereas like afraid. if somebody plays a Shadow Mage Infiltrator and somebody else plays Toski, I'll be like, Toski player's gotta go. <laughs> you know? So Yeah. No, um, Commander is like self-regulating like that a yeah. little bit at least. So it's more welcoming for pet cards, I think, in I mean, multiplayer.
3: At the
1: end of the day, if you just think of it like this, the the easiest way to put it is that Commander casually can just be like everyone is the anime character, the anime villain. You <laughs> haven't even seen in my final form. I'm only using twenty five percent of my power. It's like okay, that's 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 usually how I see it, right? Because everyone can play and start at a hundred percent, but they probably play somewhere like twenty five to fifty percent of like the power level they want to be. Yeah, or they could be.
0: So we're just full. We're just we're just hanging out, you know. We're not. We're not going super try hard and casual, uh, and even at CDH, like I just run. I run my Nim attack. Is because it's the best CDH deck. No, but I don't know. It's cute. I like it. <laughs> it's fine. Um, all right. Uh, I will. I will end things off with the last tip of the podcast, and that's not being able to protect from attacks. Um, this is something that I learned the hard way uh, in Commander <laughs> clashes, especially, and this was kind of like I picked up. Uh, from Richard, but also from people like Tom and, and Jen uh, from previous Commander Clashes, people who have creatures on the board are usually the ones who aren't being attacked and usually the ones who can set up a win uh, later on in the game. Because just the threat of a crackback is enough for you to kind of be left alone for a bit, even if you have a board, even if, you, even if you're scary with creatures the thing is that people don't want to be hit by those creatures so they're going to be more likely to not poke the bear you know and that works that's a huge advantage and i've been noticing this reason like two nights ago i was playing with some buddies and one person is like the aggro player and one person like one person's like basically richard plays richard decks aggro decks uh will win with usually combat damage but will have a backup plan as well and then one of them is more like I would say more like a Seth style Dirtle or like Seth Seth before Seth uh, 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 discovered aggressive strategies. I think before like, like solid like, combat like yep. Seth, Seth from a couple seasons ago, right? Like season six, Seth. You know, um, Pan American best card, and and he will just not have a board to state, and so like we have a lot of creatures that say like when it deals combat damage, you draw a card or something, and he's the one who's open. So guess what? We're going to be hitting him. And all he wants to do is he wants to dirtle. He wants to combo off. He plays like a combo piece first and he'll have like a flash enabler second. And he has a lot of counter magic in his hand. But he has nothing on the board. No creatures. He's just wide open at all times. So he just gets dunked on. And I feel bad about it. But like, what are you supposed to do? You're the only one without creatures and you're not playing any creatures. So you get attacked in like in a in a meta, especially where everybody has like combat triggers that they want to get value out of. Like, you gotta have a board state. Or you have to some some way of preventing opponents from attacking. Like if you're not going for creatures, fine, go for pillow fort, or go for like stacks effects, or go for board wipes. I mean the latter ones are probably going to get you more targeted than, than not. But like just even if you're doing like some combo strategy, some control strategy, have a way to have a board state that you're not just going to be just the blood bag of the table. I think that's super important.
3: Yeah, I, I've been in that position before. Not as much recently, but I certainly know what it's like to uh, to be the blood bag. And one thing I've learned about commander players over the years is it doesn't take that much of an incentive to get people to change their behavior. So I think if you aren't going to try to load up your board with creatures early, things like Ghostly Prison are so effective. Like, it might not seem like that much, but it really does change where people are attacking. Or even uh, some of the curses, like the curse that makes the gold token... Something like that's one (laughs) mana and it's going to get people to attack not you. It's going to change their behavior. So I think cards like that go way up in value. If you do want to do the durability plan, you definitely got to be prepared for it because you will get attacked just by default because people want to trigger their stuff. And we keep getting more and more powerful combat damage, attack triggers. And someone's it just happened recently, I think on the last episode of Commander Clash, where I was a little mana-screwed and Richard had Fable the Mirror Breaker, and I was like, I don't really want to attack you, but I gotta get my treasure token and you're the one that didn't do anything, so I I gotta hit you. And that was the Correct thing to do, so definitely something you got to be prepared for these days for sure.
2: All believers in spirited companion, (laughs) solemn (laughs) simulacrum, all omens, all blossoms. Yeah, put down a nice Mm. early blocker, cycle yourself, not be
1: wide open. Have some defense. <laughs> you have some blade killing capabilities. Is not a blocker, but I'm glad you <laughs> think so. I'm glad
0: Play <laughs> like my my favorite dirtle deck now is a Shirikai deck, and it happens to run Shurikai makes tokens and I have a bunch of like the whenever you cast an artifact you make a token. And I have a bunch of like mana dorks. And they're all just fantastic blockers, so I don't really get hit much. You know? I have just a bunch of 1-1 pilots I'll throw under the bus. I have a Sharika that is an 8-8 when I need it to be. I have a bunch of just, like, random tokens. And that's all it takes. Like, boom. I have defenses. But I'm just drilling. I'm not attacking. I'm just drawing cards, discarding cards, and living the dural dream. But I have mm. stuff on the board. And I think, like, most decks can actually pull that off. Um the most important it's part, part is getting bored, right? And, and mm-hmm. the best form
2: of interaction is player removal,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah.
2: So yeah. when your politicking fails, when you didn't draw the mm-hmm. right removal or whatever, you can just turn your creature sideways and remove the problematic person and then call it a day, right? So, like, creatures has a lot of benefit. And, like, the reason why Richard gets away with it all the time. Because you guys don't play any creatures. And right? you're like, let's kill Richard. I'm like, cool. Come at me, bro, with your zero creatures. Right? I have a ton of blockers. Like, all right, cool. Like, what are you going to do about it? Nothing, right? You don't have creatures, right? So, yeah. you know, like, if you don't want to play creatures, the cycling creatures are a good way to get a board presence without going down cards, right? Like, if you don't actually want to be attacking, you don't want to waste cards on creatures, like, a Solemn is perfect. Ramps, blocks, draws a card, right? Mm-hmm. And that draw a card is very... Important because people won't attack into your chump blocker because they don't want to give you a card or whatever, <laughs> put you ahead, <laughs> right? Even though like that, solemn is dying anyway. You're drawing a card, like you probably should still right attack right through it, but they won't do it, right? So solemn
0: overrated though, Richard. Well, Here so 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 is Solemn is the greatest mind flex
3: in the world. You put
2: one down, it's like you're invincible. No one will attack you ever again. <laughs>
3: Speaking of not attacking you, in a pinch, just leaving up mana can be beneficial there, too. I don't, I don't think that should be your game plan, but I'm always surprised how much, like, leaving up a couple mana gets people to be like, "Huh? like, there's got to be something going on, like, well, what's going on with that mana? I better attack someone else, so. Just play Settle the Wreckage in every
1: deck, and then you'll give everyone that ever attacks you trust issues, so they'll never attack. <laughs> yeah, I think you need to. Play,
2: if you play in a regular play group, I think you need to mix in. These yeah, cards. yeah, if not play yeah. them. If you don't think they're good regularly, just like mixing it in
0: so that people
2: etherize and settle. <laughs> I think I think if think you think show me it. an
0: etherize a single time, I'm going to and you play the same deck again. I'm going to think twice about attacking you, even if you have no creatures. Like yeah, you I got gotta you gotta. gotta ha- right? If you're gonna play Dirtle and not it. not
1: have anything on the board, yeah. you gotta like have those cards or like No Mercy or something like that. Yeah. Spreading Plague. These are cards that'll keep the board clear.
0: Yeah. Like, my Toshiro deck has, has Hellos for Breuk in it, and I've had people get just killed. They killed themselves attacking me with it. And it's, like, the weakest card in my deck because it's super situational, but I did it one time, and people think twice about attacking me with Toshiro. I just have a 2-2 Bushido, and that's it on the battlefield. Like, you could, totally, you could totally just keep attacking me and I'll die, but I could have a Hell for Breuk in hand. Who knows?
2: <laughs> All right, I have a question for you guys that's somewhat related, but not... What do you think about Fog as a way to protect yourself from attacks? Fog is a very maligned card where people are like, oh, you don't play Fog. It doesn't do anything. me <laughs> got blown out of the Fog the plan fog? in 2022. I am playing more and more just like straight Fogs, not even like... Buyback fogs, but just like a fog. (laughs) Tomer got blown
1: out in Richmond by by a fog. One (laughs) that you yeah, by darkness. We was at our same pod and Tomer's like, Alright, well I'm gonna have to do away with you and Tomer (laughs) sung out and he got darkness was like, Oh dude, no one plays around (laughs) darkness. (laughs) What
2: are you gonna do? Oh dude,
0: no.
1: (laughs) We
2: we have fog in three colors, right? So it's It's kind of a meme. You can play
0: fog. I think certain fogs are good. Like Ink Shield, I really want to get some big no, no, no. None, none
2: of this fog that's like so brokenly overtuned. I mean, like a straight fog. Like, just like literal fog. Nah, like just a just straight, a literal... All it instead. does is fog
0: you. No, uh, I just no. run targeted removal instead. Instant speed removal instead. What?
2: You'd play targeted
0: removal over fog? Yeah, <laughs> so it's, because it's flexible and it does similar things.
3: So what's the upside of fog then? Efficiency compared to playing a Wrath or something, it's just like less mana to leave up. Yeah, they're usually just like like one mana
1: instant tricks and stuff like that, You you don't
2: want a Wrath because like, these creatures are not bothering you unless they come in for a lethal, right? They could be doing other things, so you just need this fog to stay alive and I don't like trying to removal because usually that's not enough to keep you alive. Like, usually when you're getting attacked, it's for like mega lethal with an overrun or like some buffing anthem or something, right? So like... It's a little dicey. Even if you remove the buffing anthem, there's still like five creatures coming in. So mm. I've been playing with the idea of fog, and it's kind of been working I, for me. As though. long as you don't I actually,
0: replace your target removal with them, I think it's fine. But if you're like, I'm not gonna run sword splashes. I'm gonna run dawn charm or a boy or like life. buddy. You have yes and problems. <laughs> ah, dawn charm's good. I, I mean, this, I think this is uh, what I do,
2: and no one's managed to kill me yet.
0: <laughs> okay, sure. But because no one's the problem with dawn charm is Nobody. If somebody has like, oh, I dropped my my insane value engine, and it's like, oh well, my fog will not do anything there. Or like, oh, I'm comboing off of my creatures, and it's like, oh, my fog. But, you say that, but there are many combo. things that will
2: kill you. Like they drop a crater hoof, and like, what the heck is your source? The plowshare is sure. going to do here, right? Like, right. You know, there's pros
0: and cons of both cards. I think one's right. more 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 likely to save you than the other. Well, In I'm more right? situations, I, <laughs> I no. have come to the conclusion that fog is
3: more likely. That's why I'm bringing this <laughs> yeah. discussion up, right? I think fog I, is more
2: likely to save you than spot removal, right?
3: I can, I, I can see it. Man. I think I, I'd prefer to have like fogs with upside though, if possible. Like, I'd rather have the dawn That's charms said, like, or yeah. like a little the bit green, more mana the green
2: free fog that no Ink one plays Shield. ever.
3: Right? Ink Shield's too much. Ink Shield's just too much mana to leave up. Like I want to get someone with it because I think it'd be funny, but five mana is just.
0: Why it's a uh, win con.
3: Mm, kind of, I mean if it goes well, yeah. But you So I get the argument for those. They have so many. But that's more un, of a win than a fog. Right? That's an accidental fog. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, you but, might be right. And plus like the problem with fogs no, is their card disadvantage. Like you're going down a card and you're I mean, I guess you're keeping yourself in the game potentially, but you're not putting your opponents down a card. But there's it's, so much carded, man. Like, there's, you're there's so much you're carded never going to be handed exactly, these right. days. In so if you have all this incidental no, card draw. Re-
0: You're going to take out your target removal for fogs?
3: So, is so this is has arguing. two purposes, maybe
2: right? To proactively do your game plan. So remove the the rest in peace of the Drannith Magistrate stopping you. And mm. for keeping you alive. I feel target removal is very bad at keeping you alive. So I play basically anything above it, right? A maze of it, a propaganda... A, a literal like phase out to fairies protection or a fog, and fog I think has some merit, which I, I don't know if it's correct or not. Right, I'm still mm. not convinced. I can't about imagine it. it, it no, Faris protection has so many cards nowadays, <laughs> and like removal is just not as effective as it used to be. Right, I
0: can't. Richard I can't tread right. this path with you, Richard. Do I'm you gonna. I'm far. gonna have to
3: try some fog. i think you guys got me at least thinking, thinking it about it. I'm come at least considering the possibility.
0: I'm not cutting Swords to plasters for a Dawn Charm. Then cut something else for it then,
2: right? I don't know. Whatever you feel
0: is less valuable and try to see
1: if it's actually a card worth including in your deck. But why would you play Fog when you could play Settle the Wreckage? Or... You, know what you I mean? need 4 like mana for Settled
3: Wreckage. Not everyone yeah, leaves up all their man every, Crim, every turn, Krim. Krim never every <laughs> single deck. So yeah, always a Drago,
2: so... What if they're green and have, like, 20 basics for yourself
1: Wreckage? Yeah, I mean, you're gonna they're going to ramp anyways, right? So you may as well <laughs> just help them do it.
0: No, I need flexibility with my Fogs, or I'm not going to... I mean, I'll, I'll try running Dawn literal Fog. Yeah, Charm has some flexibility. I mean,
2: Charm is a good one, and the... The, the first, the is the one. Best one. first the protection one is, is the best one. The free one is so
3: underrated. Like the oh, free the green one, haze? I think. Oh, that one's terrible. Yeah, <laughs> um, the no, whole is was... so good. Oh, but okay,
0: obscuring ha- case is like you, you save one mana for a fog, and you might get a little bit more value if a creature's on the battlefield, <laughs> and you need your commander or deal on the battlefield. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: But you can still cast it naturally too. It's not efficient if you cast it naturally. Look, I've That's I've so lost bad. obscuring haze, all right? But I've lost many things, so I don't know. <laughs> I I think that if you take one thing away from the podcast, it's cut several lands and replace them with fogs. There <laughs> <is fine>. All <laughs> removal yeah. And yeah. lands. Yeah. Fogs yeah.
0: so and pet cards. We got it. We got
2: it. What a fog <laughs> is my
0: listening. pet card. What are you going to do? I <laughs> mean, then play it. <laughs> then play Maybe it. the fog is the backup plan we were looking for. <laughs> I'm
2: waiting for the Secret Rendezvous plus Fog card. I'm, I'm sure Wizards oh. is going to give me an instant speed Secret Rendezvous modal Fog. Like, These Ooh. cards are so bad. We <laughs> <me> just staple <laughs> them together and Richard will play them. <laughs> like city is under attack. It's available
0: really. online. We're going to see it work. So that's step one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got uh, eight tips out of the way that we think... You should mis- avoid doing... Wait. Eight mistakes. Eight mistakes you shouldn't be doing in Commander. Anything other. you should be doing every <laughs> Look, game. <laughs> I didn't have a coffee today. I'm running low on fumes, but we got there. That's the main thing. All right? We got there together. The journey has completed. Um If you got here with us, uh, thank you so much for reaching the end of the podcast. Like and subscribe. And also... If you want to support the channel, did I do the MGU Goldfish merch thing? I don't think I did. But MG Goldfish you can buy the beautiful playman staple and Richard Wall. You can buy a, a new thing that we might be announcing very soon. So keep your eyes peeled on that. And uh, deck boxes, deck sleeves, and all that good stuff. And you know, you know the drill. And Let us know what you think about these tips. If there were any other tips you would tell other people um, or tell us to do, I don't know, <laughs> give us some tips. Uh, for future commander clashes let's know in the in the comment section and all that stuff all right that's it everybody hope you enjoyed until next time friends see ya